Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I can just imagine them daydreaming about... Still uh, coming back and having these visions in their heads, these daydreams about when they finally come and meet each other again after all those years. And it would be, yeah, a, a lovely thing to get away from the reality of what was happening. Our parents had a very, very close relationship. I, I very, I almost never heard them argue at all. That was just so, so touching that uh, they were so conscious of the well-being of each other. These are the words of real people written between 1940 and 1946. The views expressed may differ from the ideals of today, and there are on occasion descriptions of war that some may find distressing. Most of the letters are numbered, but not all are featured and they were often received out of order and sometimes months after they were written. 2nd of July, 1941. Hello, darling. Many days have gone since last I wrote. I've had a dose of the usual complaint we all seem to catch out here. A form of dysentery with fever. Knocks one over for a few days, leaves the patient feeling rather weak after a liquid diet, but otherwise okay. I'm just starting to take an interest in my food again, so you'll understand I'm well on the road to recovery. I'm sending this by airmail. Please will you use it also? It saves months. As I mentioned before, please don't worry about me. Now that the German-Russian business has started, it's entirely changed the situation. I gather that there has been a change of policy, but I should like you to send me some papers giving me home opinions. You'll notice that we have a new address from this week. I've been on guard for 24 hours and we finish at 6pm. Then to town for a feed. Omelettes, fried onions, veg, salad and French coffee. Am I making you jealous, darling? Time's up, so cheerio. Keep smiling. It won't be long now. Cyril, kiss, kiss, kiss. Letter 36, 26th of September, 1941. Hello, darling. Another week passed and no news from you. How I envy girls with husbands and sweethearts in the services at home who get letters nearly every day. It will be some conversation to get a regular delivery of, say, once a week or fortnight. You don't tell me how you receive my letters. According to how I write, you should get equivalent to two per week altogether. This letter will be shorter than usual because of the weight. 
I'm going to enclose a P.O. for £2, and I shall send £3 more at a later date, making £5 in all. If you have not sufficient in that, please let me know. It is autumn here now. Leaves are making a rustling carpet as one wades through them. A charming season indeed. If it were not for the six long, dark months ahead, I should enjoy it. But the thoughts of approaching winter fills me with dread. Not exactly a fear, but I spend so many evenings out and it is not too good getting home. Somehow nights never seem so dark when you were there. I can look back to last winter at Catrick and it all seems like a lovely dream. Although there were less lights there than here, somehow I can never remember the darkness for you were there. And usually if I was out, my arm was tucked in a very strong, firm khaki one. The thoughts of that arm and many other lovely memories keep me going now while memories are not being made. Right now I am eating a lovely apple. We seem to have had a good crop this year. To say this is the third year of war, we are not really bad off for food. The things most scarce are cereals, though I did get a tin of honey grains this week. Other things are fairly evenly distributed. I still seem to do better than most people I know. Postcard 37, 1st of October 1941. Hello, darling. Another month and nothing. My mind can't help going back just one year. Strange to think you have been in the army a year now. Six months were very happy. The other six months, very lonely. I sit and wonder where we shall be a year from today. Shall we be together again, darling? Do try and send me some more snaps of yourself. They are such a comfort. I've not had a letter for nearly a month now. I do hope you are writing regularly, but I know the mail is haphazard. So long, I know, my love, dearest. Olga. Kiss, kiss, kiss. 10th of August, 1941. Olga, my angel. Yet another bank holiday week has come and gone. I never did think much of it anyway, since at work we only had Monday holiday. In the army they just don't recognise it at all. Last two Sundays have now been the same, and here is me stricken down with my weekly attack of idolitis, lying in bed on a cool, breezy balcony, just thinking of and writing to my darling, and incidentally digesting my lunch. This month's about the hottest we shall get out here, and so there's really only two things to do in an afternoon to be comfortable. Either go to the swimming pool or lay on the bed wearing only my sleeping bag. So here I am just for a change, for I've been bathing the last six days. I've just got permission to draw my ration allowance, so I'm feeling myself again now. Quite like the old times, except there's just one thing missing, and unfortunately that's the most important thing of all. Your presence. Those cataract days seem years and years ago. There's no need for you to write on one side only. Your letters are not censored. I'm looking forward to receiving my first one and threepence worth of airmail news. It's a good idea of yours to think about coming out for a while after the war is over. We never know, but it seems quite likely we shall be kept here for many months after the fighting ceases. We could certainly have a real good holiday in this country. The only thing one needs is money, so carry on saving up your pennies. Letter 12, 23rd of August 1941 Hello, darling. Life is very drab. No letters from you for the last three weeks. True, I did receive your telegrams, so I know all was well up to the 12th, but there are so many other things, those little intimate details to which I so look forward and of which your letters are so full. There must have been a similar delay with my letters, otherwise you wouldn't have sent the telegram. 
Actually, I've been very lucky. Some of the lads have not yet received anything at all from home. Sunday evening. I had another good day today, my darling, or shall have had when I've completed it in the best way possible by telling you all about my doings. I actually got up for breakfast by 8.30 and didn't return to bed. It was an effort, but I made it. I sorted out my kit, washed some hankies, donned a pair of socks and managed to stagger down to the garden cafe for tea and cake at 11. We had a good gossip and time sped until noon, where I returned for a shower, put me on a clean shirt, best shorts, shoes and stockings, cleaned my teeth, combed my wig and toddled off downtown for a special Sunday lunch. I had a lovely omelette with chips, tomatoes, French beans, carrots and stewed fruit and custard to follow. After a half hour's reflection I decided I could move again and slowly rising I staggered out down the street and by a strange coincidence my legs failed me just as I was passing a coffee shop. I dithered in and collected a long iced coffee. I've got the guy behind the counter so well trained that now he reaches for his mixer as soon as my shadow crosses the doorway. Here I am chatting away to you and soon I'll be away to my barracks ready for another week's work. 3rd of October 1941 Good morning, my darling. It is a good morning indeed, for I have just received a letter card, number 12, dated 23rd of August, six weeks ago. Your letter begins on a very depressed note, for you had no news from me for three weeks. Well, darling, until this morning, I had not heard from you for over a month. I sent a telegram this week and mentioned the fact, but don't think I send these cables in desperation. I send one a month, because I think it does you good to get some real fresh news occasionally, and this service is a great help. Rennie slept over last night and your letter arrived during breakfast, causing much flutter and excitement. I read her a lot of the letter aloud, all the plain newsy parts. We can't help smacking our lips when you mention fresh fruit salads with ice cream, but regards salads, we have not done so bad ourselves. It has been a poor year for tomatoes and thousands of pounds have had to be sold green for chutney making because of the lack of sunshine and cucumbers have never shown up at less than two shillings each, so they haven't been too popular. But for other things, we have not done bad. It is not so bad for me living alone, as for families, for I can afford many things they can't. Good night, my beloved, and may this time soon pass. All my love and kisses, Olga. Letter 15, 12th of September 1941. Thank you for the photo. I see you've bought yourself a lilo and a deck chair, I say yourself. When I come home, it'll take me months to accustom myself to sleep on anything except floorboards, so you'd better get in training. Funny about those telegrams, the first one was sent more than three weeks before the other. Several of your letters are missing and are well overdue, and there's a gap in the airmail of four letters missing. But if they are letters instead of postcards, they may turn up soon. I'm keeping a note in my diary of when I send your letters and anything important in them, so if any are missing, I can repeat them. It also helps with the numbers. I'm going to have my photo taken this week, and I hope you receive it for Christmas. It's the best Christmas card I could think of for you. I'm looking forward to some of my darling's pictures taken when she's all dressed up in her new clothes. That's all this time, so just keep your chin up, and remember, we're still very much in love. Yours forever, Cyril. Wednesday 8th of October. Sweetheart, worked last night and had to hitchhike this morning in order to be there for 11am. Getting pretty good with the thumb, now transport is so bad. My ski's coming to Sheffield to speak 
and to be given a stainless steel casket for Stalingrad containing a message of goodwill from the people of England's steel city to the people of Russia's steel city and signed by thousands, I want my name on that message. This morning's news gives the Germans within 150 miles of Moscow in one of the bloodiest battles yet. I am convinced that the time is now for us to strike the death blow at Hitler from the western side. It would be of the greatest help to Russia, and if we can't do it now in the third year of the war, with a great portion of Hitler's troops engaged on the Eastern Front, when can we? The way he trusts us is touching indeed. Well, darling, I must close now or I shall overrun my half-ounce of paperweight allowance. All my love for now. Olga. Kisses. Letter 21, 18th of October 1941. Hello, Olga, my angel. This has been a week worth writing about. On Thursday, I found your parcel waiting for me when I came out of hospital. I hope you got the telegram telling of its safe arrival. I'm now in the middle of Star's Look Down. That bookmark is no use at all. Sorry to disappoint you, dear, but when I'm reading a book, I like to concentrate on said book. How the heck do you expect me to concentrate with such a distraction as your portrait bookmark hanging around? I take back all my rude remarks about waiting for the photo. It's certainly been worth the wait. The biscuits are pretty good too. They arrived in perfect condition. I've just finished one for my elevenses. Seem quite like the old times with you sat looking at me across the table. The mail is remarkably certain for wartime. I've not yet received letter numbers 13, 19, 28, 30 and 31. But if they are letters, the last three are not yet due and the other two may turn up. The weather here is getting much cooler. We have brilliant sunshine every day, but we can get about without perspiring. As soon as the sun sets, the temperature goes down too. We shall be wearing battle dress again next week in the evenings, and the old down sleeping bag is worth about six army blankets. It's funny you should mention in letter number 20 that this exotic life may spoil my palate for the simple things. It's just the reverse. We see a much different side of life out here than the tourist. We see all the filth, squalor, ignorance and such that are never displayed to the wealthy traveller. It's appalling. You say things don't alter much at home, to which we say, thank goodness. Believe me, I never realised before how much I could enjoy and appreciate the simple pleasures of English life and countryside. For two months now I've been trying in vain to capture once again the wonderful smell of heather from Strines Moors. It's the first year I've ever missed it. However, darling, we have our memories. All my love, Cyril. Postcard 43, 20th of October 1941. Hello, my darling. I had a shock today. Just got back from a weekend hosteling and found a telegram waiting to tell me you are now out of hospital and doing well. It was a shock indeed, for I did not know you were even ill. By accident or design. I do hope, darling, you are quite well and that your illness was nothing very serious. It does seem funny that you should be in hospital and me here knowing nothing of it. There is little I can say, for I do not know the nature of your illness. I shall be waiting for your letter telling me all about it. I was on duty last night and I saw my first bit of action. Not much, but just enough. No bombs were dropped, but planes were passing over and one shell from our ACT did not explode in the air, but came down in Southbourne Road and burst on impact, killing two men. I would much rather be at work during raids, for apart from all the company, there is also the knowledge that if anything happens, I am in a position to help, and that gives me a measure of satisfaction. 
Sometimes when we have been so long without raids, I felt rather as though I were wasting my time, but it is really necessary. Please do look after yourself, darling. I only wish I was there to do it for you. I feel helpless and far away, but I know for my sake you will be good and take care. For now, cherub. All my love and kisses, Olga. Letter 14, 8th of September 1941. Monday evening, my own darling, and we've an hour together before lights out. It's now five weeks since Bank Holiday Monday when I received your last airmail card. Since I've had several of your previous letters but no fresh news of lovely you for five whole weeks, I'm properly down in the dumps. All I have to help me on the straight and narrow path is a collection of memories, photos and old letters. Mighty thin diet for impatient me. The weeks pass from end to end for it's in the free time at weekends that we live again instead of merely existing from one order to the next. The last one was no exception. In the pleasant company of two pals, I saw one of the wonders of world by moonlight on Friday. We just sat and gazed in silence and all was wondrous eternal peace. The quiet feeling of silent solitude, it can't be described, only experienced. We left the stillness to return to the noisy hubbub of a typical cosmopolitan city and life was resumed in all its grim reality. I can understand how easy it is for people to allow their mind to be so influenced by such detachments and wander off into a spiritual dream world with all the idealistic theories that bear such little truth when confronted with the dialectic materialism of our everyday experience. The minds of people not here are full of such wonderful nonsense which seems to find expression in popular ideas that the Soviet workers are going to save them and the peoples of Europe are going to stage a revolution for our express benefit and everything and everybody will get us out of the mess. Everybody, that is, except our own precious selves. There's a terrific feeling of personal isolation and detachment from the struggle against Nazism and all that. The poor devils, I expect they'll get a rude awakening one day. Yes, precious, I get plenty of soapbox practice these days. As I've mentioned before, with an increasing number of intelligent lads in the regiment, I think there's a chance that I may be put on the regimental strength as a tank driver operator sometime during the next few weeks. It will mean a net increase of thruppence per day. Good night, my darling. We're just another day near a reunion. Good night and just a whisper in your ear. I love you more than ever, you lucky girl. Yes, dear, I know your answer is that one. So it's cheerio and keep smiling. Cyril, kiss, kiss, kiss. Notebook entry. Did you ever wander sweating through a plain of yellow dust when the thought of sparkling water drives a man half mad with lust? When you through the shimmering distance see a lake and waving trees yet you know that when you get there though you'll grovel on your knees and scrape and scratch among the hummocks you'll find no else but sand and you'll rave and curse the country for a godforsaken land. Have you ever drunk salt water? It's the only thing you've had. If you brew some tea and sweeten it, it doesn't taste so bad, but by itself it's awful, and your thirst will never cure. Then you'll know how precious water is, just water, cold and pure. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Letter 46, 26th of October, 1941. Hello, my precious. I hope this has arrived on the right morning. I think I have timed it about right with a two-month delay. A Merry Christmas sounds so tame compared with what I really wish you, darling. For I wish you all the fun in the world, good company, good food, good friends and a place in the corner of your heart for little me. For little me who should, if things go according to plan, be enjoying Christmas at Malham Youth Hostel with good friends Eric and Rennie. I know if it's left to you, you will have a good time, for you make the most of every situation. But if by any sad chance you should not be in the gay city you described to me, but in some lonely place... I hope this letter will help you to celebrate Christmas with a lighter heart. Somehow this pen seems so inadequate, for only by being with you could I really say what is in my heart, tell you just how much I love you and just how much you will be missed at Malham. I look back to Slayburn Christmas 38 and Bempton 39 and Catterick 1940, always together, and I know just how empty I shall feel at Malham 1941. But don't despair, darling. You'll probably get a letter soon telling you what a good time I had at Christmas and I suppose I shall get the same from you. In your last letter, you tell me of sitting one evening in the moonlight and looking at one of the world's wonders. I won't say, I'll just guess what it is. And, darling, I would love to have sat there with you and been an escapologist for half an hour, even if one does have to come back to Earth with a bump. It must have been wonderful, but as I look around me... I wonder am I not happier here in our own little home? Doesn't that sound novelish? Anyway, it's what I mean. The wind is howling outside, but there's a good fire burning in the grate and everything looks grand in its reflection. If you were home, I would draw the settee up, but as it is, memories are too vivid for that and I haven't time to get mopish. If I do, I know I shall age and look like an old frump when you come home and I wouldn't have that for worlds. For when you do come, you may feel like taking me out now and again, you know, just for old time's sake, eh? I'm going to bed now, to my hot water bottle. The best bed pal I've got these days, except Rennie occasionally. By the way, dear, I want to make a date with you for 12 o'clock, Greenwich time on New Year's Eve. 
I don't care what you're doing or who you're with, you must pinch two minutes for me at that time and I will do the same. I know where I shall be, Ranmore College. But come what may, siren or anything, I've made that date and I'll keep it. We'll make a wish, and though neither will tell the other the wish, I don't think we shall be far out in our guesses. So good night, my precious one, good night. Kisses. Monday the 10th of November. I have just been listening to the one o'clock news. I see we're still playing at hitting hard at Germany while all the brunt of the battle is still being borne by Russia. It seems Russia too is determined to retreat no further, no matter what the cost. I wonder if the people of this country will ever know what they owe to the USSR. The call for a second front is becoming more and more asked for from sections of the community, but as yet they fall on deaf ears. If it once develops into a trench kind of warfare on the Eastern Front, then Germany can afford to withdraw a great number of men, which she could not withdraw now, while still on the attack. Personally, I don't think there will ever be a more ripe time for our attack than the present. Well, dear, having relieved myself of that, let's get back to ourselves, for space is running short. I have nearly finished another pair of socks and will send them along with some more books, darning wool, etc., there is one more thing I've never mentioned before and I'm sure you'll be pleased to know I have not touched my nails now for about three months and they are quite long now. I have mastered this habit. I don't think I shall ever do it again. November and I still have a lovely vase of roses on your desk. They seem to have done exceptionally well for us this year. And now, darling, before I send this script on its long journey I would like to tell you once more how much I love you. Someone sang a song on the radio the other day I will love you, I'll be thinking of you, forever and a day. That's just how it is, dear, and always will be. All my love, Olga. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Letter 61, 12th of December, 1941. Good evening, dearest. To note the date, today is the anniversary of the Sheffield Blitz. Though from the weather, I don't think there was likely to be any repeat performance tonight. I was rather touched when I saw at least eight lovely wreaths on the debris at Marple's today. I don't mean that the weather is wretched, but the brilliant moon is missing. I remember that night last year coming out of the naffy dance. The camp looked like spangled fairyland. Actually, we are very fortunate with the winter so far. No snow, not much rain and considerably mild winds. Though I should not be surprised if we don't suffer from Christmas. This last week seems to have seen about the entire world at war. The Japanese certainly made a good start. It looks as though America must have been asleep or just didn't bother. It's very difficult to try and foresee the end of it all, for just now there are so many points to watch. It is good news that Germany has had to ease off on the Eastern Front, for I am quite sure that as the Germans have not gained their main objectives this year now, they never will. It may mean that we shall suffer some raids now that the fighting is not so heavy there, but it will let people realise what our Russian comrades have taken for us in big doses for nearly six months. We look to Libya and hear of a kind of warfare we cannot possibly understand because of the different conditions, and every time I hear of heavy battles there my heart misses a beat for I know not where you are. We cannot possibly know now, but perhaps someday in the future we may know what all this bloody sacrifice was for. It is obvious that with practically the whole world ranged in two teams and all the resources of the world in the melting pot, that the war cannot possibly end with a military defeat for either side.
18th of December, 1941. Good evening, my beloved. Just one year and one week after the Blitz and I thought we were in for another do tonight, but fortunately not. I had finished work and at 6.30, just halfway through the film, the sirens went. Memories of the Blitz must have stirred in everyone's mind for there was one mad rush. I don't think anyone stirred in anywhere from the numbers of people I saw running for trams and buses. I managed to get a car to mill houses and then walked. Although there has been one or two planes over, apart from some spicy cracks of gunfire, nothing has happened, and at eight o'clock, they all clear. This is the first siren for about ten weeks, so it took everyone by surprise, but I think, really, it was the unusually early hour that upset people. This week I received number 17, which I'd almost given up for lost. You said that I sounded self-assertive and that looking after home on my own without a husband to lean on seems to be having an effect on my character, to which I say, My dear, what else can you expect? Of course it will have an effect on my character, but I don't think that will do any harm so long as the fundamental things about me don't change. Surely I'm going to come out more confident in myself and better for the experience. This temporary hardness, I feel, is a protective shell provided by nature to help one take the slightly heavier tasks that wars are bound to bring and also to save many miserable hours which could be very bitter if one was too soft. It helps me to forget sometimes and concentrate on other work which needs doing, so, darling, I hope I have made myself something like clear. I can't expect you to come through all this and come home exactly the same as you went in character. I don't expect it but I shall enjoy meeting it and perhaps find that your experiences have enriched you plenty. I'm nearing the end, darling, and I'll repeat myself over a previous letter with my heart on my pen nib. Reading over it isn't a very loving letter, but some things go without being repeated. You know you will always have all my love. Olga. P.S. Have now received all your letters up to and including number 25. Postcard 64, 23rd of December 1941. Good evening, sweetheart. I do hope you are doing well and most of all that you are safe. It is now three weeks since I had a letter from you. It seems such an awful long time. Remember, darling, I shall be thinking of you all the time and shall be working hard for the movement we both love, for I am the only female member of committee there. Good night, my beloved. Sweet dreams and... All the best out there, now as always. All my love, Olga. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Notebook entry, Christmas Day, 1941. Turned out about seven. Biscuit porridge, cold bully and tea for breakfast. Walked three miles to LRS for a tank. Got busy checking over. Cheese and biscuits for lunch. Adjusted tracks and cleaned guns, etc. all afternoon. Drove back to our camp in time for the evening meal. Bully stew and salt water tea. Fed up but not with food so we ate our chock emergency ration. Squadron leaders prayed to hear we'd been ordered to attack Bardia. No wash again today. Sat in turret to hear the London news and saw to bed for 7.30. Two weeks later, on again this morning. God, this eternal desert gets on one's nerves. We did see a slight change in the country, more scrub and even one or two bits of grass. We just go on and on. Suppose we're chasing Jerry. 
Lingered after dark, made a few drops of tea but no hot meal again tonight. Haven't washed in 15 days. Cyril's letters about the conditions in the desert um, sound pretty grim. <laughs> Cyril and Olga were my grandparents and my name is Simon Halloway. Uh, to be stuck in a, a hot metal tank with no washing facilities for weeks on end, 15 days he said there, um, I guess it could be quite punchy, the smell in the uh, the tank with, with your crew. Um, I would have thought the resentment and frustration in what you were doing would be growing. Um, I could imagine them missing each other a lot at this point. They were just normal, ordinary people. I can't stress how, how normal they were. Cyril and Olga were my parents, and my name is Pete Moforth. Um, they were tolerant. They never raised their voices. They were always kind and respectful of each other. They were just the most normal people you can imagine. Given certainly what Dad must have, must have gone through, it's kind of surprising now that I found out what, what happened during those six years. It's remarkable that he was just such a normal, average guy. Olga's job during the war was in civil defence, so she had to go on various shift work, sometimes overnight, my name is Sue Moforth, and Cyril and Olga were my parents. She was on a telephone and she had to coordinate between the various emergency services in the city of Sheffield when there was an air raid or an emergency uh, influx of wounded soldiers. On, on those odd occasions when letters just didn't arrive at all, um, it, <laughs> you know somebody could go into a bit of a panic because because you don't know what the reason is and and probably and and even if everything was okay it may well have meant that a ship got sunk that was carrying the letters so they're all you know big big serious issues you know the very fact that one communication doesn't get through has hugely loaded consequences that today you know they're, they're totally inconsequential To come back and see a telegram on your doorstep must have been horrendous. I guess it was the communication to tell you something bad had happened. I mean, it must have been a relief to know that he was in a hospital, but, um, but with no news on what it was, whether it was something as simple as dehydration or you know, a horrendous war injury, a life-changing injury, you wouldn't know. It must have been a, a terrible time to, to, to get half news really you, you were never given the full story and then to keep waiting for an actual letter from Cyril must have felt like an eternity they were obviously so it was so important for them to try and communicate all all the, all the small normal things when the world was obviously not normal Join us next week for episode three of History's Letters of Love in World War II. Subscribe to Letters of Love in World War II and please don't forget to rate and review us. We'd love to hear your thoughts. For more information, head to history.co.uk 
or follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Just search for at History UK. Letters of Love in World War II was written and produced by Anna Priestland, edited by Joel Porter and produced and directed by Sam Pearson. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.